Thank you for that wonderful singing and, and time of praise. And uh, I hope it was a blessing to your heart and soul. And um, I don't know, I always get moved with, uh, with our times of worship, uh, especially that last song. It, it just, um, song really uh, spoke to me at a difficult time in my life uh, a few years ago. And uh, it's just great to, um, to really think about what, those words mean and what they teach us about uh, who it is that we worship. This morning, if you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter number three, and if you're here and you've not received the notes or you forgot to pick them up on the way in, uh, you can just raise your hand and Brother Josiah will, uh, will help you with it uh, and uh, he'll get you the notes and that way we can follow along. Uh, as we're studying the book of Galatians, we, we started in chapter one and we've been going verse by verse and learning what it is that uh, Paul was teaching to the church in Galatia, and really, how does that apply to us? Why, why should it matter to us what he was telling a church uh, in, uh, in, in the, really in the Middle East there in Asia Minor? Uh, why should that really matter to us? And there's a lot of truths that we've really been able to learn from the book of Galatians, and, and I hope it's been a, a help to you on the practical level, as well as understanding a little bit more about what salvation is, what the gospel is, and what the gospel is not. And uh, really, one of the focuses of this letter to uh, the church was that. Paul was trying to teach them the difference between what the real gospel is and between what was being taught as gospel by people that were denying the truth of the gospel, the sufficiency of it. And so, uh, hopefully, it's been a help to you in those areas. And as we get into chapter number three, Paul kind of changes his tone a little bit in this letter, and, and we'll talk about that. But we're going to be in Galatians 3, looking at verses 1 through verse number 5. Now, before we read it, let me just say this, because it's important in today's uh, message. If there's one thing that I want you to get out of today's message, it's this. And that is that the Christian life must be lived in and by the Spirit of God. You got to live in the Spirit of God if you're going to be a Christian, and you got to live by the Spirit of God if you're a Christian. Trying to live any other way is going to lead you to pride and failure in your life. Okay? If, you're, if you're trying to live, in other words, the Christian life out of your own power, doing a list of do not and do's, do's and don'ts, then you're going to get tired of the Christian life. It won't be long before you kind of feel like it's really not making any kind of difference, not making any kind of impact. And, and then you'll start realizing, like, I can't do all the do's and don'ts. I'm, I'm just not good enough to do that. So why even try? Why even bother? And you'll usually quit. And what Paul wants to teach the, the, the people at Galatia is not only... This is the difference between the gospel and religion, but he's also trying to uh, explain to them when you live a religious life, it's a life that's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. And there are some people that live the Christian life like they live a religious life the same way, by a list of do's and don'ts. And Paul said, that's why you're not really finding the satisfaction. So if you're here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't find the Christian life all that exciting. It's probably because you're living a life that's more religious than a life that is in a relationship with Jesus, right? 
Uh, it's kind of like the, the couple that's been married for many years, right? If you're not as much in love with your wife now or with your husband now more than the day that you got married, I would say somewhere along the line, your relationship started to crumble or crack. It became something of a routine in your life, and that's why, yeah, the routine gets boring. When you look at your wife or your husband as some sort of, well, this is what we do, and this is kind of how we live our, our life at, at, at home, then yeah, it does get boring, obviously. And then you're going to want to say, well, maybe if I find someone else, it'll be more exciting. If you have a relationship that's growing, a relationship that is changing, that's bringing you closer to one another, Hey, you're probably not going to have the desire to be looking for someone else or dissolving that relationship. It's going to be something where you go, you know what? The married life is exciting. It is fun because of the person I'm married to, because of the relationship that we have and how it keeps growing. All right? So same kind of situation here with the Apostle Paul. That's what he's trying to teach uh, the, 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 the Christians at Galatia. Listen, your life with Christ should be exciting and fun. But if you're going to do that, you got to live wisely. Now, the people at Galatia, the church there, they had begun to, to not live so wisely. They, they started living foolishly. And what I mean by foolishly, what, what they started doing was allowing their Christian life to become religious and routine. And Paul says, that's not wise, that's foolish. You're listening to the wrong people. You're allowing bad advice to come into your mind, and then you're living after that bad advice. Now, have you ever gotten bad advice before and done what that bad advice was telling you to do and then go, oh, that was, that was dumb? I remember when I was like nine or 10, uh, some of you would remember where our church used to be uh, over there on Citriona Drive. I think it's 495, if I still remember, 495 Citriona Drive, right, befi- right behind the Lubies here in Mission. And that's where our, our church was, uh, was started at, and, and that's where it was for many years. And uh, when I was around, I got to be, it had to have been around nine, eight or nine, somewhere around there. Uh, I remember one night, and I, I'm not going to say the names of, of, but there were some teenagers, and our house was right next. Like, here's the church building, and here's our house. Some of y'all might remember that. It was a little red brick house. And... Um, and we always had, you know, guys over uh, hanging out in the house. In fact, for, for, for a year or two, we, we had Sunday school in, in our living room because we needed more classrooms. And so we used uh, the living room in our house as a Sunday school uh, classroom. Anyways, I remember one time uh, when I was eight or nine that we had some guys over, and I won't say their name because some of you are from that era and you might remember who it is. And I don't want to get in trouble or get anyone in trouble, but... They started telling me, because we started playing Super Mario 3. I don't know how many of you remember this game. It was on Nintendo. Uh, but Super Mario 3 was awesome, okay? It was when Mario got the tail and he could fly. It was so much better than, part, you know, Super Mario 2. Super Mario 2 was... I, I don't know why I'm going off on that. Anyway, Super Mario 3, we're there playing. We're, we're, we're getting through the stages, right? And then suddenly someone comes in and says, Hey, guys, it's time for church. I don't remember who it was. I just remember them saying that. And... Um, we're sitting there playing, and I was like, all right, guys, sorry, I got I to gotta turn off. We got to go to church. And uh, this, this teenager who was in our youth group said, Jeremy, we don't have to go. And I said, we don't? He said, nah, nah, your dad said you don't have to go. Are you sure? I told him. He's like, yeah, you don't have to go. I was like, really? He said, we could keep playing. He said, we could keep playing until you're done. I said, this is awesome. So we kept playing. I never made it to service. 
That was the advice that was given to me. Just keep playing. You'll be fine. Dad said it was okay. Then service was over. Everybody went home. I, of course, was at home because I was playing the game. And when mom and dad showed up, I remember them asking me, hey, where were you? I said, where was I? I was here playing Super Mario 3. And they said, why weren't you at church? I said, because you said I didn't have to go. They said, who told you you didn't have to go? So I told them the name of the young man that told me. And uh, they said, we never said that. I was like, wait, he lied to me? He said, Jeremy, I remember my dad telling me this. I was sitting in the middle of the living room. And I remember him telling me, Jeremy, you need to be at church every time there's a service. I don't care what anyone else tells you. Just know, dad said, I got to be there. So if someone tells you otherwise, don't believe them unless you hear it coming out of this mouth. Yes, sir. Um, I don't remember if I got in trouble, I got spanked or not. I just remember that was the thing he told me. He said, I never said that. I don't know why you're believing that person. If you don't hear me say it, then just take it as good as gold. You got to be there. Bad advice. Got me in big trouble. Paul is talking to the church at Galatia, and he's saying, you know, you guys, y'all started the Christian life doing really well, but then it became religion to you. You got some really bad advice, and, and let me tell you, it's, it's ruining you. It's leading you into trouble, not into, not into fun, not into joy. It's leading you away from what God wants for your life. It's leading you away from a life that's lived wisely to a life that is lived foolishly. So you get to chapter number three, and, uh, and Paul, you know, the letter changes a little bit. You, you see him get a little bit passionate. Now, if you don't know the Apostle Paul, he's, in a, he's a very passionate guy. He's a very determined guy. In fact, before we read Galatians 3, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, just so you can get a glimpse of really who uh, the Apostle Paul is. Uh, Corinthians is just a few pages back in your Bible, okay? So if you go back just a few pages, you'll get into 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And I want you to notice what it says in verse number 23, because it's going to describe Paul's experiences, and it'll, it'll show you that... Now, listen, I didn't know Paul personally, okay? Obviously, he lived a long time ago. I don't have a time machine. I didn't go back to the future to meet him. But just what he shares about his life, you can tell what kind of you know, personality he had. And he, he was a very passionate guy. Look what he says. Verse 23, 2 Corinthians 11. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Now, he's sharing that because they're, they're questioning uh, his, his ministry as an apostle. We're not going to get into that, but I want you to notice when he shares what has happened to him. Verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. In other words, they whipped them 39 times. Five different times that happened. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That was in Galatia, actually. One of the cities, uh, the, the city of Lystra. After he preached, they got so mad at him. By stoned, it's not talking about weed. He's not getting high. They actually got big, big stones and started throwing at him, beating him, getting bruised, trying to kill him. All right? They thought he was dead. In fact, I believe that he probably died in that, in that uh, experience. They drag him out of the city and they left him there because they thought he was dead. And then the, the other people, the other Christians went to see, you know, just looking at his body and suddenly he gets up, goes back in the city, preaches again, and then leaves to another city. 
I mean, the guy is crazy. But listen, that's what he is. And then you notice that he says thrice in verse 25, I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I was in the deep. He was, you know, lost at sea there. Uh, in journeying, verse 26, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, uh, or perils is another word for danger, in danger in the wilderness, dangers of the sea, dangers by false brethren. Verse 27, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides those things, all that come upon me daily for the care of all the churches. Paul is saying, look what happened in my life. He's, he's gone through a lot. Now, I, I can be honest with you. If I just go through the beatings once, I think I'm done. I think I'd just be like, you know what? Why don't I just practice, you know, my faith here at home? <laughs> and away from the city, away from the public life. I don't really like getting beat, okay? I mean... It's not within my nature. It's probably not within your nature either, if you're honest. But Paul, time after time after time, was getting beaten, was getting, you know, shipwrecked, going through all these experiences in his Christian life, and he kept moving forward. And I just share that to tell you, that's the kind of guy he was. He was determined. He was passionate. Now go to Galatians chapter 3, and now notice how the letter changes a little bit. And and. He gets a little more direct in what he's saying. He says in verse number one, O foolish Galatians. One translation of the Bible says, O stupid Galatians. That's a little bit harsh, right? It would be harsh for us today. It's a little bit direct. Another translation could be senseless, you know, or as Charles Barkley likes to say, knuckleheads, right? Hey, knuckleheads, right? You foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What's Paul talking about? What is he challenging them on? The big idea in those first five verses is he's challenging them to live their life by faith in the Spirit of God and not by doing a to-do list or a don't-do list in your life. He says, live by faith in the Spirit of God. Now, let's just kind of examine that today real quick in the time that we have left as to what he's talking about. Why is he calling them stupid? Why is he saying, listen, what's wrong with you guys? How come you're not thinking? Why is he saying all that? Well, let's, let's dive into that really quick this morning because what he wants to teach them is to live wisely. So notice, first of all, that you'll, you'll observe as you read the first verse, a compassionate rebuke. Now, I know it sounds harsh, but it's not as harsh in the Greek language, okay? It's not, he's, not, he's not really literally saying or using the word stupid as we would use it today, which is a little bit harsh. Uh, he's just saying, listen, you guys are not thinking. He, he, he's, he's, he's doing that because he's really compassionate for him, right? You, you can hear the passion in him saying, what are you doing? 
foolish Galatians. What, what, what are y'all thinking? Uh, the Greek word here is anatios, which means senseless. In other words, you're not thinking straight. Right? Now, if you're a parent today, you know exactly how that feels, right? You, you, ever, you ever talk to your kids and go, what? What are you doing? That makes no sense. And by the way, you don't have to be a parent. Sometimes it's a coworker. They're like, what? What are you doing? Right? You, you, you're just like, that, that, that makes no sense. I remember my, my dad used to, used to always say uh, to me when I would do something like that, he'd say, son, common sense. Use common sense every time. I can't tell you how many times he said that. Hated hearing that. Common sense. It's just a really nice word of saying stupid. Right? It's a really nice way. Common sense. Here's Paul. And he's telling them, guys, guys, common sense here. Why? Why are you here? This rebuke is saying, what are you guys thinking? Why are you acting so foolish? Very surprised about it. And notice that the first thing he questions about their foolishness is their foolishness in their disobedience. The foolishness of their disobedience. Right? He's not, he's not, by the way, he's not calling them stupid. He's calling the what they're doing stupid. By the way, that's the difference. Whenever we're correcting someone, we shouldn't focus on the someone, focus on the something. Okay? This rebuke, Paul's not saying, man, you guys are a bunch of idiots. No, he's saying what you're doing is senseless. You're, you're acting dumb, dumber than you are. And, 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 and a good parent will, 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 will tell their children that, right? Sometimes I, I tell you, Bub, come on, you're smarter than that. You're better than that. Son, I know you, right? I, 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 I've, I've known you since you were this big. You're better than that. I know you're better than that. You can hear Paul saying that to them. Guys, I, you're better than this. You're, you're not thinking straight. You, you see, the way you're thinking is actually leading you to disobey. That's why it's foolish. That's why it's crazy. It's a result of how they were living. They were, they were living in the power of the flesh. Now, the word there, flesh, he's not talking about like flesh and blood, like what we see. He's talking about our old nature. The Bible uses flesh two different ways. It'll use it sometimes as our body, right? Our hands and our physical features, but sometimes the Bible uses flesh as our old nature. And you say, well, what is the old nature? The old nature is the way we were born in our sin, the way we think because of the sinfulness of our existence, right? Uh, one of the best ways and illustrations of that, kids, right, babies, we don't teach them to disobey. Every parent here that has a baby knows, I never taught my children this is... When someone says, come over here, this is the way you run away from them. Right? When the teacher says, do your homework, here's the way you don't do your homework. Right? We don't, in fact, we have to teach them the opposite. We say, hey, if someone asks, you got to do this. Hey, um, if the teacher is requiring this homework, you need to get it done. Hey, uh, you should be honest and not be lying. Because our sinful nature likes to lie, likes to gossip, likes to steal, likes to covet. That's why, that's why we have to teach our children against that and not for that. We have to teach it because we do that on our own. So here Paul is saying this. He's saying, look it, 
uh, the way you're thinking because you're not thinking straight because you're trying to live this life by do's and don'ts and the works of the law that we've been studying, it's leading you to be really senseless in what you're doing. And you're disobeying God. You're not living in a way that honors God. In fact, you're living in the opposite way. Now, Romans chapter 7, I left it in your notes. We don't have time to read it all. But in Romans chapter 7, you can read when you get home or at some point. Paul describes in that whole chapter how to live the Christian life in your own power. And at the end, he says, this stinks. He says, I'm tired of living the Christian life in my own power. I can't do it. It stinks. And at the end of the, in verse 25, he asks the question of Romans 7, like, who's going to free me from this life? Like, I'm tired of this kind of religion. And how am I going to get out of this? And then chapter 8 is like the Mount Everest of Romans. It's like all about living the Christian life in the Spirit. So Paul is here saying, look, your lack of thinking is leading you to disobey God. And then he rebukes not only their disobedience, right? He says, oh, foolish, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, the disobedience, but he also rebukes their foolish blindness. Their foolish blindness. You see, he says, you're not seeing the gospel in what you're doing. Now, I'm going to repeat what the gospel is. The gospel is the message that Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross for our sins. He paid the debt that we have to pay. The Bible says the wages, the payment of sin is death. We're all sinners. We're condemned to die. The gospel message is that Jesus came and died on a cross to pay our debt. And then he raised from the dead three days later and gave us new life. That's the gospel message. Now, what are the Galatians being taught? What are they believing? They're saying, that's not enough. That Jesus died on the cross, man, that's good. Yes, but you know what? When he died on the cross, it wasn't for all of my sin. Yeah, he died for some of my sin, but the rest of my sin needs to be paid for by me doing good works. If I'm going to stay right with God, I got to do good works. And Paul says, you're missing, <laughs> you're missing it. You're blind. No, no, no. The gospel message is that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all your sins. Past, present, future. All of them. They're paid on the cross. They've been paid for. They're done. So it's not about, oh, it's not about do's and don'ts anymore. No, that's what religion is. It's about do's and don'ts. The grace of God is a gift. That's the gospel message. And look, at the end of verse 1, the question, he says, you're not obeying the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth. In other words, in the Greek, that literally means the painting that was before you. Some use the, the illustration or the translation of a placard or a, a billboard. He's like, Paul said, I, I was really clear to you, with you guys about what the gospel message is. I might as well have painted it on a billboard, okay? And you're not seeing it. That, that, that's the foolishness of all of this. The foolishness of your disobedience is that you're not seeing the cross and what Christ did for you. You're acting like it's not enough in your life. And you've got to do more than that. And it's leading to frustration in your life. It's leading to not being satisfied in your life. And listen, I just want you to know that that's really a stupid way to live. That's what he's saying. When you get to verse number two, you see some compelling questions 
that he gives. Some compelling questions. Now, I'm going to tell you the answer of these questions, but let's just read them one more time. He says, this is the one question I got. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How exactly did you get God's Spirit? If, if you've got to live the Christian life by the Spirit of God, let's start first of all. Where did you get the Spirit of God? Was it because you weren't lying? Because you were faithful to your wife and you didn't have any adultery? Because you didn't murder anyone? Because you were not coveting? Because you didn't lie? At what point did you receive the Spirit of God? By doing the Ten Commandments or by faith and believing in the message of the gospel? Now, the Galatians have to say, will I receive God's Spirit when I believe the message of the gospel by hearing of faith? Okay, Paul says, good. <laughs> That's the right answer. So, if that is the right answer, first of all, I want you to understand this then. We can make this statement. We became Christians through faith. Paul said, let's start right there real quick so I can just point out the foolishness of what you're thinking. Let's start with, you received the Spirit of God by faith. You became a Christian when you got saved, when you believed, not by doing the Ten Commandments, not by going to church, not by serving in some ministry. No, no, no. You got saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, right? Now, because of that, it gives us a correct look now at sanctification. That's a big word. You say, Jeremy, what does sanctification mean? Sanctification, I didn't put this in your notes, but you can write it real quick. It's the act of God. Sanctification is the act of God making us holy. The act of God by making us holy by giving us Christ's righteousness. It's the act of God that makes us holy by giving us Christ's righteousness. In other words, all the good works that Christ did are now our good works. They apply to me. It's like I did them. You say, when he died on the cross, we learned this last week, we died with him, right? I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Okay, that means then the life of good works, those are attributed to me. His righteousness now has made me righteous. How did that happen? By believing. You say, Pastor, that sounds too easy. It is. In fact, so easy that that's why people reject it sometimes. They say, it can't be that easy. No, 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 no. God needs something bigger than that, more than that. He, he needs us to, to, to come to church like a lot of times, right? Or, or, or he needs us to do good works, right? I mean, and Paul said, no. Jesus' work is all that's needed. Faith in the gospel is all that's needed. And when you miss that, you become blind. Sanctification is Christ's righteousness in me, right? God making me holy through Christ. That's sanctification. We became Christians through faith. Now look at this in your notes. We live as Christians through faith. Verse number three, this is what Paul is teaching. Are you so foolish? Are you so senseless? That having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? The word perfect there means maturing, growing. He said, if you came to Christ by the Spirit, 
right? The Ten Commandments didn't help you. By faith, that's how you receive the Spirit of God. What makes you think that now living the Christian life is all about do's and don'ts? He said, that doesn't make sense. You didn't receive the Spirit by doing do's and don'ts. And let me tell you, you're not going to live your life by the do's and don'ts. All the do's and don'ts do is condemn you. That's it. That's what the law does. But the Spirit gives you life. So Paul says, the, the, the reason that you're, you're making no sense is because you're telling me, I receive Christ by faith, I have His Spirit, but now I got to go do the do's and don'ts so that God won't be mad at me. God's not mad at you. God doesn't work that way. God gave you His righteousness. God made you holy simply by believing, by having faith. Now, I want you to notice how he finishes in verse number five with this convicting truth. This last kind of question. And by the way, in verse number four, he said, have ye suffered so many things in vain? In other words, they were getting persecuted. As I told you, it was here in Galatia that Paul was stoned to death. That means they were probably suffering persecution too. And he says, Are you, did you do that for nothing? I, I know that, that you have these Judaizers, these Bible teachers that are telling you, no, well, yeah, Christ dying on the cross is good, but you still need to go back and do the things of the law, these, these works, so God's not mad at you. No. Paul said, no, no, no. God doesn't work that way. Look at you. you if, if you drive to work tomorrow and you get in a car accident, it's not because you did something bad today. If you're on the live stream, you say, oh, I didn't go to church in person. That's why this is happening to me. God does not work that way. Okay. At all. That's what they were teaching. When you go by the law, that's what you're teaching. The works of the law. If you don't do this, boom, judgment. No, listen. If we went by that, we'd be judgment all the time. Okay? We'd be, we'd be getting judged every stinking day, every stinking minute. But God says, no, no, no. See, by faith, I gave you my spirit, so you became a Christian. And now you can live the rest of your life in that spirit. I've given you my righteousness and my holiness. So what's the convicting truth in verse number five? It's this. That having established salvation by the Spirit of God and the mindset of living by the Spirit, he shares this first principle, and it's in your notes, that faith is the avenue of the Spirit's leading. You say, okay, well, how do I live in the Spirit, Pastor? Is it? Because in our minds sometimes, we're like, well, we got to live the Christian life. Okay, what does the Christian life mean? It means i got to go to church every Sunday. This is probably detrimental to our attendance sometimes, but you don't have to be in church every Sunday. Because if you're coming to church every Sunday because you're scared that God's going to be mad at you, you're coming to church for the wrong reason. Wrong reason. God ain't going to be mad at you. Okay? It's the wrong reason to come to church. Listen, it's like saying, and if you're forgiving somebody, just so, oh, maybe they won't get back at me anymore, or maybe this will change. Wrong reasons. Paul is saying, God doesn't work on that. God doesn't work that way. Then you say, well, then what is leading, uh, what is living by the Spirit? It's, it's living by His guidance. Notice in, in verse number five, he says, he therefore that ministereth, and that is guiding, that's a word for guiding or leading. So he that's leading you 
to the Spirit. And that's working miracles among you. Does he do that by works of law or by hearing of faith? How are we led? In other words, he says, how are we led by the Spirit? Is it by faith or by works? And Paul says, it's by faith. Now, this is very important. What is faith? If the avenue for, for living the Christian life is by the spirit of faith, what in the world is faith? Because faith is not works of law. Well, what are the works of law? Well, works of law is hey, don't, don't kill, don't covet, don't, don't lie, don't be adulterous, the Ten Commandments. That's the law. Okay, so if that's not the Christian life, if that's not being led by the Spirit, then what does being led by the Spirit mean? He says it's by faith. What is faith? Faith is believing. Really simple. Faith is believing what God has said. That's faith. Believing what God has said. By the way, Believing is not understanding. Believing is not comprehending. Some people say, well, okay, I understand the Bible. I have faith. Understanding is not faith. Believing is faith. Now, I used to tell our youth group this all the time, and if you're in our youth group, you might remember this, but I used to say, you know, an outlet, I've I've got a baby now, when, you, when you're baby-proof in the house, you cover the outlets, right? The power outlets. Why do we cover the power outlets? We cover them because babies want to stick their fingers into the power outlet. Do you know what happens when you stick your finger in the power outlet? You can get electrocuted, right? You get shocked. Now, is there anyone that does that like on a weekly basis? Just stick, just to see if that's true. No. Do you know, I've never done that. I have no, I've never just stuck my hands and said, I wonder how true that is. What does that shock feel like? I wonder what will happen. I've never done that. You know why I don't do that? Because I believe something's going to happen. All right? If somebody says, but Jeremy, you're strong enough. You can take the shock. I don't believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that I can. See, my belief dictates what I do. So I don't stick my fingers in there. Faith is believing God. So there's some things you're just not going to do because you believe God. It's called faith. Faith is believing what God has said. So here's the the convicting truth. Faith, believing what God has said, is the way that the Spirit of God will lead you. That's how. You say, well, what do I do in this situation? Well, what is the Spirit of God leading you to do? Let me tell you, the the Spirit of God will only lead you to do what God has said. In other words, the Spirit of God will never lead you to be vengeful. It won't. He won't do that. So if you say, well, my neighbor did this, and I just feel that, you know, by the Spirit of God... I'm going to go pour salt on the neighbor's yard, you know, because he, he kind of destroyed my fence. That's not the Spirit of God leading you to do that. Now, it might feel good to do that. It might feel like that seems only fair. That's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God uses faith. 
You say, but doesn't the Old Testament say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? I mean, that's what the Bible says. Read Matthew 5. Read the whole Bible. Matthew 5 says, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. Matthew 5.41 says, if they ask you to walk a mile with them, walk with them too. Go the extra mile. <laughs> the Spirit of God is not going to lead us away from what He says because faith is believing what God says. So if you want to know, what does the Spirit of God want me to do? Then you've got to say, well, what does my faith say? Well, where are we going to learn what God has said in this book? So Paul was saying, listen, guys, get out of this religious system because the religious system's not going to help you. It's not going to lead you. The Spirit of God will lead you. How? By faith. By believing what God has said. Secondly, faith is the avenue of the Spirit's working. So he says, ministering to you, right? That's leading and working miracles. That is the Holy Spirit doing what we cannot do. See, when God works, it is a result of our faith, not our works. When God does something, it's a result of our faith, not of our works. So let me just say, this kills the idea. And I'm going to emphasize this again. This kills the idea, this is happening to me because I really ticked God off. No. It's not happening to you because of that. I lost my job because God's mad at me. No, God doesn't work that way. Because what we're saying is, why is God ticked off at you? It's because I, I disobeyed him somehow. There's some law I didn't keep. So the works of the law then. That's, that's, that's why Paul says, that, that's, that's foolish thinking. Don't live that way. You're not thinking straight. Being led by the Spirit and the miracles that the Spirit does, the work that the Spirit does, it, it's all by faith. It doesn't come by works of the law. It comes by hearing of faith. So you say, I want God to do more in my life. Good. Have faith. It's that simple. Wait, wait, wait. But, but, but if I want really like, if I want to get a bigger house, that means I got to become a Sunday school teacher. No. Ask the Sunday school teachers. It doesn't happen that way. It's not by works of the law. I want God to do something great. Good, have faith in him. Believe what he says. That's what Paul was trying to teach the church of Galatia. You know where the church of Galatia was getting all off and all wrong? God does something if I work this way, if I do this. And if not, he's going to be ticked off of me, and we can't let that happen. And Paul said, no, nah, that makes no sense. You didn't get the Spirit because of doing works. You got it because you believed. You had faith. You're going to live your Christian life, you know how? By faith. You know how God's going to lead you? By faith. You know how God's going to work the things that you cannot do in your life? Those things that are outside of our control? By faith. The truth of the matter is that God works as we believe His truth and follow it by faith. It's not an IOU system that we're on with God, right? When you go by works of the law, it's an IOU. Oh, man, God, I owe you that. Oh, yeah, I owe you that. Oh, I owe you. I owe you. No. That's what religion teaches you. I owe God. I got to do this. 
What a relationship with God will do, though, is I trust you. I don't owe you. I trust you. It's a life of faith. So this morning, we're going to ask ourselves, are we living the Christian life? And by living the Christian life, I don't mean, are you doing all these religious things? No. Are you being led by the Spirit? How's your faith today? Are, are you by faith waiting on God to help your family, to help your job situation, to help your marriage? Is that by faith that you're doing that or by just, man, I, if I just do these things, maybe God will change his mind? No. No. That is living foolishly. So I want to encourage you this morning. Okay, the big idea, just live wisely. How do I live wisely? By faith. If you live by faith, the Holy Spirit will lead you. If you live by faith, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in your life to do things that only God can do. John Phillips wrote this in his, um, in his commentary, and, and, and I loved it. I'm just going to read it to you. He said, this indeed is the great divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The law said do, grace says done. The law said try, Grace says, trust. The law says, behave. Grace says, believe. Law points to the commandments. Grace points to the Christ. The weakness of the law is the flesh, and the wonder of grace is the Holy Spirit. So, this morning, simple. Let's live by faith. Let's not live foolishly. foolishly. Let's live wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you, Father, that in this short passage, it's taught us so much about how we're to think and how we're to act and how we're to live. Father, I pray that, first of all, you forgive us if we've been living foolishly lately. If we've been living with the mindset that if we don't do certain things, you're going to be mad at us. Forgive us for that not who you are and that's not the way you've asked us to live but father you have taught us to live by faith believing your word so i pray help us to believe help us to believe you when the circumstances would tell us otherwise help us to believe you when doubts creep into our mind help us to believe you when going through suffering and difficulties and pain. Help us to just believe you when confusion is at our door or when chaos has taken hold. Help us just to believe you and say, I want to live a life of faith because that's where freedom is found. That's where the joy is experienced. That where, that's where peace is felt. Not in the do's and don'ts, but in what you did, what you've done, and by us just believing that what you did is enough and will always be enough. Help us to live that way, I pray. Help us to apply this into our life this week. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen.